In today's show, we'll be discussing the latest technical analysis as Bitcoin taps back above $27,000. And did you know it was exactly eight years ago today that Ross Albright received two life sentences for launching a website? Hashtag free Ross. Also quoting Jimmy Dore, I am on board. I was not on board before. I thought Bitcoin was a toy that the rich guys like to play with. Now I understand it gives us all a voice. It gives us power. And quoting Max Kaiser, Bitcoin is volatile, but mathematically guaranteed to increase purchasing power over time. And Michael Saylor recently did a poll which suggests that 84% of Bitcoin owners will only vote for a presidential candidate who supports the right to own Bitcoin. And quoting Bitwise Jenks, Bitcoin was created by God and discovered by Satoshi for humanity. It is the separation of money and state, representing the first borderless commodity for payments since gold. But digital, also in today's show, $30 billion exits the U.S. banking system in just one week as deposit flight grows. We'll also be discussing Sleepy Joe reaching a tentative U.S. debt ceiling deal. I'll be breaking down this latest report, as well as Arthur Hayes says explosive times ahead for Bitcoin and financial markets as the U.S. debt deadline approaches. We'll also be discussing decoding the future of Bitcoin and gold from Michael Saylor, as well as his $14 million Bitcoin price prediction. We'll also be taking a look at the overall crypto market. All this, plus so much more in today's show. Hey, what's good, crypto fam? This is first and foremost, a video show. So if you want the full premium experience, visit our YouTube channel at CryptoNewsAlerts.net. Again, that's CryptoNewsAlerts.net. And welcome everyone tuning in. This is pod episode number 1295. Hopefully you're having an amazing holiday weekend thus far. I'm your host, JV, and today is May 28th, 2023. And as you can see, the market is pumping back in the green. We got Bitcoin up over 2 for the day, trading back above $27,200. Also, Ether up 1%, trading back above $1,800. And as you can see, all the major cryptos pumping and in the green. And checking out coinmarketcap.com, the current crypto market cap back on the rise, above $1.1 trillion with about $23 billion in volume in the past 24 hours. Bitcoin dominance also back on the rise at 46.5%, with the Ether dominance barely on the decline at 19.5%. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers in the past 24 hours. We have uh, Mass Network leading the pack up 12%, trading at $4.46, followed by Floki up 9%, followed by the Sandbox up 8%, trading just above $0.56. Cents. And below that, we have an Injective and Sue, followed by Solana. And checking out the top 100 crypto gainers for the past week, the biggest losers, Hex and PulseX. Hex being down 14.5%. Also, PLS down 7%. Some of the top gainers include XRD up 7%. Solana up 5% and Sue up 5%, but overall pretty modest gains. Also checking out the Crypto Greed and Fear Index. We're dead in the middle once again, rated a 50 in neutral. Yesterday was a 48, last week a 52, and last month a 64 in greed. So there you have it. Now let's dive into today's Bitcoin technical analysis and check out the charts and the price action and what's popping. Here we go. Unlike previous few weekends, this one is turning out to be more positive for the King Crypto, which spiked to over 27,200 today. The altcoins also trade in the green with Solana amongst the most notable gainers with a 5% surge that helped it reclaim 20 bucks. So let's discuss Bitcoin above 27,000. Last week didn't go all that well for the primary crypto, especially after the latest rejection at 27.5 recorded on Tuesday. The bears took complete control of the market in the following few days, pushing it 
itself to a two-week low of 25900 by Thursday. In fact, some analysts were even calling for a return to 20000 The landscape started to change as the working week came to an end, and Bitcoin quickly reclaimed 26000 It even spiked to almost 27000 by Saturday, but was stopped there at first. However, the bulls propelled a more impressive price increase today on Sunday morning that drove the crypto to a multi-day high of 27300 Despite retracing slightly since then, Bitcoin is still up over 2% for the day, and as such, its market cap has neared $530 billion, and its dominance over the altcoins have increased a bit to now 46.5%, and we also notice Solana jumping 5%, and altcoins having slightly gains, but nothing too impressive overall. And breaking news, I mean, not so breaking, but it was exactly eight years ago today that Ross Albright received two life sentences for just launching a website better known as Silk Road. So uh, hopefully they free him sometime in the near future. But it is very sad to see that, uh, you know, the regulators or governments and taking it out on Ross. Uh, I mean, I think that is a little extreme. Two life sentences for launching a website, for Christ's sake. But it is what it is. Uh, Quoting Jimmy Dore from a recent interview he did with Max Kaiser, he says, I am on board. I was not on board before because I thought Bitcoin was just a toy the the rich guys like to play with. But now I understand it gives us all a voice. It gives us power and it restores democracy. And quoting Max from the same interview, Bitcoin is volatile but mathematically guaranteed to increase your purchasing power over time. And as pointed out here, Michael Saylor shared a poll on crypto Twitter. Will you require any presidential candidate to support your right to Bitcoin before they – earn your vote. And 84% said they will only vote for a presidential candidate who supports the right to own Bitcoin. Some of those candidates include Kennedy Jr., as well as DeSantis, the current governor of Florida, who is also running for president. So there you have it. And now let's break down our next story of the day. $30 billion fleeing the U.S. banking cartels just this week alone as the, you know, banking crisis continues. Let's break this down. That's right. New numbers from the Fed show the amount of money people are pulling out of their bank accounts is once again on the rise. According to stats compiled by the Fed's economic data system, depositors yanked $30 billion out of American bank accounts just from May 10th through the 17th. That represents an increase of more than $4 billion over the previous week. The U.S. banking system now has a total of $7 $17.15 trillion in deposits compared to only $18 trillion one year ago. The deposit flight follows the failure of three large regional banks, including Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and First Republic. The Los Angeles-based Poc West, which has been in the spotlight as the latest bank trying to keep afloat, is selling $2.6 billion in real estate construction loans in a bid to improve its balance sheet. And according to a Fed report, more than 700 American banks are considered to be facing significant safety and soundness risks due to the unrealized losses that exceed 50% of their capital. And in the report, the Fed calls out its own interest rate hikes as the core reason those banks are now in a precarious position. So they caused it upon themselves. And according to the CME Group's FedWatch tool at this time of publishing, 35.8% of the traders think the Fed will raise, again, rates next month. But what are your thoughts? Let me know in the comments below. And do you feel secure keeping your fiat currency in a bank at a time like this? 
All I know is this, only keep in the bank what you're willing to lose at the end of the day because if they need your money, lo and behold, they will take, aka confiscate, aka steal your money in which they cannot do with Bitcoin. With that being shared, now let's discuss the latest with the U.S. debt stealing. According to this latest report, amid growing concerns of a potential default by early June, United States President Sleepy Joe and House Majority Leader Representative Kevin McCarthy reportedly reached an agreement in principle to raise the Fed's government's multi-trillion dollar debt ceiling. According to a May 28th report from Reuters, citing two sources familiar with the negotiations, the tentative agreement to raise the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling was reached after a 90-minute phone call between Biden and McCarthy on May 27th. And since publication time, Biden had confirmed via Twitter or his handlers, right, that the existence of an agreement in principle explaining that it will prevent the U.S. from facing catastrophic default. Biden noted that over the next day, the agreement would go to the U.S. House of Representatives and the Senate, and he urged both chambers to pass the agreement right away, quoting President Biden, earlier this evening, Speaker McCarthy and I reached a budget agreement in principle. It is an important step forward that reduces spending while protecting critical programs for working people and growing the economy for everyone. Blah, 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 blah. Meanwhile, McCarthy also took to Twitter to confirm the agreement in principle, alleging that Biden wasted time and refused to negotiate for months. Reuters reported that while the exact details of the deal were not immediately available, an agreement had been made to limit the U.S. government's spending for the next two years, excluding expenses related to national security. Quoting the deal here, negotiators have agreed to cap non-defense discretionary spending at 2023 levels for one year and increase it by 1% in 2025. This comes only weeks after the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen warned of a default risk as soon as June 1st if the debt limit isn't suspended or raised, urging Congress to act as soon as possible. As we all know, June 1st is like, what, three days away. And additionally, the U.S. Congressional Budget Office published a report on May 12th emphasizing if the debt limit remains unchanged, there is significant risk that at some point in the first two weeks of June, the government will no longer be able to pay all of its obligations. Cry me a river. Now, in in recent times, several analysts have shared a similar view that raising the debt ceiling could see more capital inflow into the king crypto. Now we're talking. On May 17th, we had Macro Jack, a former Wall Street trader, warning his followers in a tweet that the U.S. debt ceiling talks are all show. He emphasized how important it is uh, to own hard assets as the dollar will be printed into oblivion while stating Bitcoin is the fastest horse in the race. You're damn right. And meanwhile, Jesse Myers, chief operating officer investment firm of OnRamp, reminded his 50,000 followers of what happened during the COVID pandemic, stating Bitcoin was the winner during the last rounds of stimulus. And he proposed the idea that if history might repeat itself, if the debt ceiling were to be raised, as it would prompt the Fed to print more money. That's right. As pointed out here by Jesse Myers, number seven, when the debt ceiling is lifted and credit contraction leads to economic crisis, they will have to print money on a massive scale. Bitcoin was the winner during the last round, a stimulus. Facts. So there you have it. Do you think they have this under control? I have no faith in the government whatsoever, especially politicians and our so-called President uh, Sleepy Joe. They don't know what they're doing. I think they're going to just keep printing money until the wheels fall off. And I think this is ultra bullish for the King Crypto. Uh, you know what I mean? Let me know if you agree or disagree in the comments below. Now let's discuss some explosive times ahead as per Arthur Hayes, the ex-Bitmex CEO. Then we'll be discussing Michael Saylor on Bitcoin over gold as well as his $14 million Bitcoin price prediction. And welcome again to everyone just tuning in to the live show. Bitmex founder Arthur Hayes says the macro 
macroeconomic environment is starting to look favorable for BTC. That's right. Let's go. In a new interview on the What Bitcoin Did podcast, the crypto veteran says the government will do what it usually does during a deadline crisis, which is wait until the last moment before raising the limit. And according to Hayes, lawmakers will likely use the debt ceiling crisis as an opportunity to get what they want from their political rivals. Quoting him here, usually what happens is they delay, delay, delay. Then you know they get to the date. The market starts tanking and then they get religion and say, oh, yeah, sure, we're just going to raise the debt ceiling. Why do we go through this song and dance? So the Republicans are probably going to get some concession on some particular piece of policy they think is going to be important in the next election from the Democrats. And they are in the last minute, they are going to come to a deal and they'll raise it by some token amount. And then everybody is happy again. Hayes goes on to say that the raise of the debt limit, along with the issuance of fresh liquidity to fund the U.S. government's debt and potential financial disruptions in the coming months, would provide the catalyst for a burst to the upside for BTC, quitting him here. It's going to be interesting, the timing of that, because is that going to coincide with a sort of like the fall harvest cycle when we usually get financial disruption events with the banking crisis then? You have the federal government issuing trillions of dollars of debt because they need to fund themselves. You're basically putting this powder keg together of a situation that's going to be exploding in quarter three and quarter four of this year. And I think ultimately it will be good for Bitcoin. So there you have it. Do you think likely Bitcoin will explode by the third or fourth quarter of this year? As per what Arthur Hayes has to share, let me know in the comments below. And to watch this video he did on the What Bitcoin Did pod, check the show notes below the video in the description. And now let's break down the latest from the Giga Chat himself, Michael Saylor, uh, discussing Bitcoin over gold. Here we go. In a world where digital currencies are rapidly gaining traction, we have Michael Saylor, the executive chair and co-founder of MicroStrategy, the first publicly traded company to put Bitcoin on its balance sheet, and they currently hold over 140,000 BTC. He firmly believes Bitcoin is poised to eclipse gold as the leading asset. In a recent interview with Kitco News at the Bitcoin 2023 conference in Miami, Saylor shared his views on the future of Bitcoin gold and banking. Saylor presents a highly bullish stance on the king crypto, suggesting it will outperform gold, leading to a complete transition of gold investors into Bitcoin. Do you hear that, Peter Schiff? I mean, Peter has already capitulated and now launching his own NFT collection on the Bitcoin Ordinals you know, blockchain, which is very interesting, BRC20 tokens. He bases his argument on the digital nature of Bitcoin, viewing it as the digital uh, synthetic successor to gold with faster appreciation rates, lower cost of custody, and no counterparty risks. He also highlights the decentralized nature of Bitcoin's blockchain network, which offers protection against inflation and a store value due to its limited supply cap of only 21 million. MicroStrategy's investment in Bitcoin since August of 2020 has proven successful with a 140% increase in the asset's value, significantly outperforming other indexes and commodities. Saylor contrasts this performance with gold, which he sees as a failure due to its slow technological progression, centralized tendency, high holding costs, and constant debasement by gold miners. I think the key there is that gold is centralized, hence they could control and manipulate the price action. Now, Saylor, describing himself as a Bitcoin realist, predicts that the future of Bitcoin will involve large institutions, corporations, and churches, indicating the need for custodial and banking infrastructure for Bitcoin. He explains that due to the regulatory requirements, it is not feasible for corporate leaders to self-custody their BTC. The interview also touched upon the topic of bank failures, which Saylor views as political decisions rather than economic and abilities. He points out that politicians can choose to support the failing banks or allow them to collapse. This is fact. Thereby affecting creditors and equity holders. He cites the recent failures of Silvergate, Silicon Valley 
Bank and Signature, as well as First Republic Bank as examples, noting the Fed and the government uh, Federal Reserve bailed out depositors while the banks were allowed to fail. And Saylor ended with a cautionary note on banking, advising against keeping money in the weak banks or banks located in countries with weak currencies. And despite this, he expressed confidence in U.S. deposits but showed skepticism towards securities of smaller banks. So there you have it. He gave you the same warning I just gave you. Only keep in the bank at the end of the day what you're willing to lose. And now for his throwback $14 million price prediction, which is the absolute highest price prediction. I have ever seen for Bitcoin coming from Michael Saylor, and then we'll dive into some live uh, Q&A. So yeah, this is good stuff. And this is going back to January of 2021. Keeping in mind in 2021, we hit the all-time high, which currently sits just above $69,000. So quoting Michael Saylor from this interview, I think that demonetizing gold gets you to 500000 per coin, and that's simply pulling all the monetary energy off the gold rock from gold bugs who believe is a store value and a safe haven. <clears throat> like Peter Schiff. It's important to note there are a lot of organizations and a lot of investors that don't use gold as their safe haven. They use government debt, sovereign debt, and so cash is a safe haven, and sovereign debt is a safe haven, and another safe haven people use to store value is index funds, bond index funds, and stock index funds like the Russell 2000 and S&P 500 and the Dow Index. So all told, I think there's between $300 and $400 trillion worth of fiat instruments, including cash, debt, stock, commercial real estate index and you look at all of that between 50 and 75% is simply st- seeking a store of value as a container. Like when I buy the S&P 500 index or the Vanguard fund, I'm not buying it because I equally love all 500 S&P stocks equally in proportion to their market caps. I bought the index because I had a million dollars and I knew if it was cash, it would be debased in purchasing power. And so I needed to put it into something which was going to return more than the economic hurdle rate or the cost of capital. And then Sailor ballparked at between $100 trillion and 300 trillion would seek a store of value in Bitcoin, and that's just in today's money. If Bitcoin were to reach the 300 trillion market cap that Saylor outlines, that would bring each Bitcoin to more than 14 million dollars per coin. That's right. Check it out. Quoting him here. So ultimately, the amount of monetary energy in the world that is looking for a safe haven store of value has got to be between 100 trillion and 250 trillion dollars. Why not all of it? Why not 300 trillion or 350 trillion dollars? The total sum of everything. In theory, all monetary energy that's simply looking for a store of value safe haven index should presumably drain out of real estate, cash, stocks, and bonds and into the Bitcoin network. And as that happens, the price discovery will return to real estate and bonds. The top is more than $100 trillion. It's somewhere between $100 trillion and $300 trillion in today's money. So there you have it. Let me know if you agree or disagree with the GigaChad that we're likely to see a $14 million plus Bitcoin price one day along with hundred trillion dollar market cap for BTC. And don't forget to check out CryptoNewsAlerts.net for the full premium experience with video and to participate in the live Q&A. And I look forward to seeing you on tomorrow's episode.